What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. That's where you get all of our new podcasts, articles, and different news and notes that our guys are sharing throughout the day. So make sure you're checking us out there if you haven't. SportsEthos.com is the website if you're not somebody who uses Twitter. And more and more over these last few days, it seems like we're going to be migrating away from Twitter if they don't start to change back some of the weirdness. If you're, if you're not somebody who is on Twitter... Uh, you might have missed out on this completely, and you're probably better off than not be on Twitter these days, in all honesty. It's it's awful. Uh, the recent updates that they've made so that you can only view a certain amount of tweets in a given day. Uh, it depends on if you're a new account, if you pay for the subscription service, the Twitter Blue, if you've been around for a while and you don't pay for it. You have different levels of tweet access per day. It's like 600 tweets or something that you can see. Which seems like, okay, I'm not going to actually read 600 individual tweets, but I think the way that when you refresh the app and you, you know how it'll scroll up to the top if you you know hit the see new tweets button or whatever it is and it'll scroll through a bunch of tweets, I think that it counts those. I, I'm not really sure how it works. It's a total freaking mess that it makes no sense. As like, Elon's an idiot. He's just driving people away from his website for whatever reason. He wants people to pay, but at the end of the day, people are just going to spend less time on his on his sites. I, I really just don't understand the point of it. But at any rate, go check out sportsethos.com because it looks like Twitter is – it'll probably still be around, but it's very very limited in terms of its functionality these last few days. So sportsethos.com is the place to get all that same content you'll be seeing uh, on the Twitter account should there be something that goes uh, off with the Twitter uh, I'll probably be all right, but that's just the kind of a backup plan. And a lot of people use it as their primary source. A lot of people don't use Twitter at all. God bless you. They go right to the website and get their news right from there. But we're going to be talking about some bits of news that have trickled out over the weekend. We're also going to be talking about a couple of different players that I think are worth highlighting today as well. But let's start off with Michael Kopech. You know, I took a lot of flack a few weeks ago on Twitter. I've taken a lot of flack on Twitter recently uh, for certain takes, which is fine. I, I welcome it. You know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but... After his two starts against Kansas City and against Cleveland at the end of May, which were excellent starts, two shutout affairs, seven innings, eight innings, nine strikeouts, ten strikeouts respectively, just great outings, I said, let's pump the brakes a little bit, Cleveland and Kansas City, you know, they're bottom-tier offenses, and he's, to be honest, it was actually an all-right little run there for a few starts where you could have used him realistically and been all right, but of course, it's Michael Kopech, when he throws the ball, I'm not really sure he knows where it's going to go at the end of the day. Uh, the control has always been a huge problem for him, and it's bitten him in the ass over these last few weeks. And then to boot now, he is on the IL. Uh, he has shoulder inflammation, so he's on the 15-day IL. Now, I would have argued that he would have been a drop before this, long before this, over these last few starts. You've you just seen it, right? You've seen the wheels come off. Uh, that that whip is awful, the ERA. Even for the season, which is not terrible at 408, it's just not really ideal off uh, to hold on, especially if you're dealing with the shoulder inflammation. Even if he wasn't dealing with the inflammation, like I said, he's not somebody that I'd be that interested in just because there's a very high level of volatility there. You're getting strikeouts, but you're getting them on a bad team. You're getting them from a guy who doesn't typically go deep into games. We're talking about somebody who walks more than 13% of base runners. It's really, really rough. Uh, so, yeah, there was really no need to be holding him before, but at this point with the shoulder inflammation, uh, you're very safe to let go of Michael Kopech. Who knows how long this is going to be? Shoulder inflammation can be quite the bitch to come back from, 
This might be a minimum stint, but it'll probably at least, uh, well, I think this by default actually will take him through the All-Star break. Uh, because I believe that's like July 12th or 13th or something. So maybe he comes back right after the All-Star break. Maybe he doesn't. I would tend to lean on the longer side of a timeline. They haven't really given one yet. But lean on the longer side if it's something like this. Shoulder inflammation, it's kind of tricky to figure out. So like I said, uh, I'm very happy to drop Michael Kopech in most cases. If you have free IL space and want to hold on, then you can. But I wouldn't be expecting great things uh, to be coming from Michael Kopech down the line, to say the least. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about Chris Bryant. I think this one could potentially have some interest to you guys, specifically in shallower leagues. Chris Bryant was activated from the IL. Uh, this was on Friday that he was brought back. And he went over 4 in the first game and then 1 for 5 in the second game and 2 for 5 in the third game. So 3 for 14, it's nothing to write home about, really. But I think that there is some interest you can have in your shallow leagues. Chris Bryant's down to 66% rostered on Yahoo. It seems a bit low for somebody that we know has the potential to be a really, really great fantasy contributor. We know that he can do a lot of things for you from a fantasy point of view. It's kind of weird. I've said this a few times over the course of the of the podcast. Not this podcast, but over the life of the podcast. How weird it is that Chris Bryant no longer has infield third base eligibility. It's just very strange. But we're still talking about somebody who's only 31. That's really not anywhere far removed at all from his prime, which is just a couple of years ago at this point. And even if you're just talking about what he did in like 2021, it was 25 homers, 10 steals. He batted 265 last year before he got hurt. It was 42 games. Yes, there wasn't a ton of power, just the five homers, but he was batting 306. He'd cut the strikeout rate down last year. And even this year in his limited at bats, we've only seen him have 53 games played. He's got the strikeout rate under 20% again, walk rate, typically very good. And it's good again this year. You know, he's batting 260, and there's potential for it to be even better. I think the power's going to come around. We might not see a ton of speed, but a few steals should be there as well. And he has a great home ballpark. So I think, worst case, you can use Chris Bryant as like a home streamer when there's weeks where you're going to see, you know, predominantly in Coors Field, or maybe they go to Cincinnati, or when there's a good ballpark. I really like Chris Bryant. But regardless of that, I think that he's somebody who can have some value in a 12-team league. I would say that he is worth rostering in pretty much all 12-team formats. You could even argue potentially even shallower formats. Chris Bryant has the potential to be a really great fantasy contributor, and that ballpark just gives him that much more reason, or it gives you or me that much more reason to really want to take a chance and pick him up where you can. 66% rostered on Yahoo. Not going to be a ton of people that find him, but in the leagues where you will, I think that there's a chance that he can actually be an impact player down the stretch. Let's talk about a trade that happened last week. Now, we were talking about relievers last Friday on the show. If you missed it, it was a really great episode. It was very informative. Mike Carter and Greg Jewett were both here again, and we were talking about relievers. We went through 10 different bullpen situations, and we were talking about Kansas City <coughs> Excuse me, and what they were likely to do with Aroldis Chapman. Now, we agreed that they were probably going to be trading him, and they traded him within about a half an hour, an hour of us finishing recording. So he is now... With the Texas Rangers, a role this Chapman is now, he is not going to be thrust into that closer role. I just don't see that happening. It's likely to still be Will Smith. He's the guy that is going to continue to be in that role, I would imagine. Um, you know, it's it's not a situation where I expect him to get zero saves necessarily. He might get the odd chance here and there. Uh, Smith is tired or whatever. But you can't be using a role Chapman with the expectation that he is going to be getting the bulk of the save opportunities. It's probably going to be maybe between 5 and 10% of the opportunities. And even that might be pushing it on my half. It's it's potentially it's a possibility that he doesn't get any. 
Uh, I think there is some room to say that you can roster him if you're going for a build of heavy relievers or you're worried about maybe reaching your maximum innings pitch limit if you have a lot of guys who go very deep into games or whatever and you're trying to use some more relievers, it can be a viable strategy. Aroldis Chapman this year is like a top 150 player. He has the four wins, two saves, 55 strikeouts in 30 innings. That's incredible. Obviously, that's what he's always kind of done. Now, it had gone away last year in the last couple of seasons, the strikeout rate, but it's kind of back this year. 237 ERA, kind of a high 122 whip, but over the last month, sub-1 ERA, sub-1 whip, 22 Ks and 10 innings pitched. He can be an impact player, an impact fantasy player. Not that I recommend him in all builds, but I think that there, in a lot of builds, there can be room for uh, for an Aroldis Chapman type on your team. It was Andres Munoz last year who kind of was that in the fantasy world. There was a couple other examples, but he was the big one of a guy who was not necessarily getting you saves, who can still go out there, get you the odd win, still get you the odd save here and there, uh, and just give you great strikeouts and great ratios. And as far as he's, you know, as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, Chapman will have fantasy value. It's potential, uh, it's possible, I should say, that going to a new team will kind of shake that up a little bit, but he did well in his first appearance. I think he actually may have had, has he had two appearances now? One or two, at least he's made at least one appearance uh, over these last couple of days. And I think it might've been two, actually the way that it works. Um, it's kind of weird to look at the score, which I use for a lot of my uh, updates. That's where I use for a lot of my score updates. Um, and it's kind of weird the way it looks. I'm not sure if it's been one or two appearances now with the Rangers. Let me just double check that honestly here. Cause now I'm all curious. Um, yeah, actually it has been, he's made two appearances now for the Rangers and they've both gone well for him so far, uh, a couple of shutout outings. So hopefully he can keep that going. Uh, I think that he does have some kind of fantasy relevance regardless down the stretch. Not that he is a must roster in shallow leagues, but in 12 and deeper, I think that there is room uh, for our oldest Chapman for sure. Let's talk about Brady Singer. Uh, I do think, I just want to mention, I don't need to go like deep into this, but I think that there is room for him now back again on like 15 team rosters. The strikeouts aren't really there, but these last couple outings against Cleveland, First of all, you see that against Cleveland, you'll think, okay, whatever. It's Cleveland. I don't need to read too much into that because they're a piss-poor team. You know, he beats up on them. All right, whatever. But he did it against the Dodgers. Uh, yesterday against the Dodgers, seven innings, one earned run. He only had four strikeouts, but he got the victory. He looked very strong. So I think we're back into the place where you can trust him in 15-teamers. For now, he's struggling against Cleveland again, and his next time up, it'll be in Cleveland so I think that there is room at least to use him as a streamer for now and just to see if we can get back up to where we were last year because he was a very serviceable fantasy arm last season. He's been awful this year. But if he can give you some version of what we saw last year down the stretch, you know, over this last month, he has a 306 ERA, 127 whip. The whip is a little high, but overall in the pitching landscape where we're really real grasping at straws, you know, you see Christian Javier now is no longer a startable option at this point. Guys are going down all the time in terms of injuries, in terms of bad performance. Brady Singer is somebody that might end up being a second-half hero. I don't know that you can say it for sure, but at this point, you know, you're seeing a few good starts in a row. You're seeing good numbers over the last month. i take a chance on him in your deeper leagues and even potentially, not even not even potentially, I would stream him uh, in like a 12-team format. Not to say that he's a must-roster player, but I'll be looking to stream him for that next start, which will be on the 7th of July, I believe. So 7th or 8th of July, uh, take a look out there for Brady Singer and see if he's available uh, as a streamer for you, because I think that there is some value in him. Michael Brantley. I want to touch on Michael Brantley because there's a possibility that some of you guys are still holding him. It's not a very high number of people, I'm guessing, but in your Yahoo formats, he's about 6 7% rostered. 
he's not somebody that's worth holding anymore. He hit another setback, or according to Dusty Baker, actually a plateau in his recovery. Not really sure what the hell difference that means, aside from it's a setback. Um, but he was ramping up his activities from his, uh, you know, he had surgery on his right shoulder, and now there's another bump in the road. Baker didn't say specifically what they're what they're going to be looking at here, uh, how significant of a setback it is. But it doesn't look like he'll be coming back anytime soon. So if you are still holding Michael Brantley, that's an easy drop. I drafted him in a couple of my draft and hold leagues because he was very, very, very far down the draft board. I don't even remember exactly where he was going. I want to say in the 400s, roughly, in terms of pick number three, 400s. It's been so far removed from draft season at this point, it's hard to remember. But as somebody that I assumed would come back, you know, after a month or two, a couple months, even if it's half a season, you're getting top of the order at bats in the Astros lineup. I figured in the draft and hold, you'll, you'll absolutely take that. But at this point, it doesn't look like I'm going to be getting very much out of him. So, you know, those, that's not a format where you can drop anybody, obviously. But if you're in one of those formats and you're still holding on, uh, where it's, you know, redraft, where you can pick up and drop players, which is the vast majority of you, I don't see much reason to be holding Michael Brantley at this point anymore. So send him back to the waiver wires if you're still holding on. One last thing I want to talk about today is Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott, I have in one league, and he has been a darling for me. He has been helping out the ratios. He's been giving me strikeouts. He's given you four victories so far in his six starts. He's been excellent. I want to caution uh, everybody to say that maybe we should be taking a look at him and potentially trying to sell on him while we can because there's a few metrics that I really, really don't like. He has a 121 ERA. That's fantastic. But if you look at the expected numbers that we talk about here on the show a lot, the different indicators that they have on Fangraphs that you guys can go check out under the dashboard section if you go to a player's page on Fangraphs, they give you these numbers that are XERA, FIP, XFIP, Sierra. I'm going to quickly explain for those of you who aren't familiar. They essentially try and quantify how good a pitcher is while removing the aspects of the game that aren't in their control. The weather, the ballpark, the defense behind them, and just look at the quality of the actual pitches. So, like I said, he has a 121 ERA, but when you look at those expected numbers, there's a 313 XERA, a 347 FIP, a 426 XFIP, and a 4.03 Sierra. These numbers just try and tell you how good that he is. And, you know, it's not like to say that he's bad, not to say that he's going to be bad or terrible at all down the stretch, but it does show that there is some regression coming. That's the first piece of the puzzle. The next piece of the puzzle is when you look at the fact that he is allowed a 190 BABIP. If you're not familiar with the BABIP number, it is the batting average on balls in play, a typical number to allow when the ball is hit in play. The batting average is around 300. It does vary depending on the hitter. It's going to be very different for uh, you know, an Ellie De La Cruz versus an Albert Pujols type because the more balls that De La Cruz puts in play, the higher the batting average will be because he's going to beat out more of those ground balls, those balls to the left side of the infield. A guy like Albert Pujols or whoever you want to take, Pete Alonso or you know, Kyle Schwarber, whoever it is, Alejandro Kirk, they're not going to have as high of a BABIP generally because they're not going to beat out as many of those balls that are hit on the ground. 190 is not sustainable. No one is going to be able to hold that number over the course of a whole season. If you're a reliever, maybe you'll see a crazy year where there's a 190 kind of BABIP or something like that. It's not very regular. You're not going to see it happen for a starting pitcher, especially not over the course of a whole season. So that number is going to start coming back. There will be more balls hit and play. That will get through. That will be base hits. The last thing with Andrew Abbott, He's stranded 100% of his base runners. He has not allowed a base runner to score that has gotten on base so far. 100% left on base percentage. That's not sustainable for anybody. That's not going to happen, especially in this ballpark. You know, Cincinnati, we don't talk about that maybe as much this year because they've been a good team. 
But this ballpark is horrible for pitchers. It's going to end up catching up to him. He has had some homer struggles in the minors. I think he's only allowed four home runs in total this year, which is fine. It's good. Will it stay? I don't know. I know for sure he's not going to be pitching to a 121 ERA down the stretch. So if you have Andrew Abbott, I'm not giving him away by any stretch of the imagination. But if you can get back like a top 50 kind of player, I would look into trading him. I think there's definitely room to be had on some value there in terms of an Andrew Abbott trade. So, again, you're not just giving him away. You have to get a good offer back. But I think that there's a, a good chance you can get a really great number, especially considering what he just did even yesterday. 12 strikeouts against San Diego over seven and two-thirds, one run. Just excellent. So take a look and see uh, what's out there on the market. Guys, that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate you hanging out. I know it's a holiday, so you're not probably going to be listening today. You'll probably listen tomorrow. But in any case, wherever you are, Canadian, American, wherever, uh, enjoy the holiday weekend. Take care. And we'll see you again tomorrow, guys. Take care. Have a great night. And cheers. Cheers.